right, we're going to go to the word of the Lord. If you want to stand for the reading of the word, that'd be great. We're going to go to Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. I am probably more of a polite pre- preacher than some, but um, if, you, if you choose not to stand, we definitely honor you and uh, understand that there... Oh, hey, we're having fun up here. <laughs> my uh, pictures of all my treasures just got away from me. Hold on a second. If you're physically unable to stand, we know you still honor the word. So let's go to Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10 today. It says, Now Peter and John, we're starting at verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Hey, it was time to pray being the ninth hour. A certain man lame hit from his mother's womb. Everybody say mother's womb. He had been lame in his legs for a long time, all the way from birth. <laughs> that is an important factor in this story. Was carried whom they, they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alm, and Peter fastened his eyes upon him. Amen. He looked at him intently and said, with John, um, with John and said, look on us. And he probably thought, oh, I'm going to get some, I'm going to get a good donation right about now. I'm going to get some help. I'm going to have, I'm going to be able to go get some food. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, have I none? He said, I'm not going to give you what you expected. I'm going to give you the unexpected. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, everybody say immediately. There's that word again. Keep on running into immediately this morning. His feet and ankle bones received strength. Everybody say from his mother's womb. How many know that muscles need to grow to be strong enough for you to leap and for you to jump if you've never used them from your mother's womb? But they had enough faith to believe that God could do the unexpected, not just the expected. They were expecting him to stand up. But God said, watch, I'll give strength to muscles that have never been used. And I'll put together the body in a way that I can rejuvenate. What, what should have been there was replaced by God's power. Amen. And immediately he was able to have strength to stand. And leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising. Amen. Last verse. And they knew that it was he which sat at alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Jesus, put a blessing on your word. It's already anointed, so we receive it. Our job is to receive today. 
and to mix it with faith. I pray somebody here would mix faith with the word and would place it in their life and watch it grow and watch it bring the unexpected. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Thank Brother Dean for that beautiful sound behind me. Thank you, brother, playing beautifully. Expectations are the most powerful thing on planet Earth. In fact, relationships are destroyed by missed expectations. Businesses are built by expectations. If you don't understand the laws of expectation, you will live a very struggle a very hard and and life a life full of struggle the the laws of expectation are this number 1 when you get what you expect you're satisfied number 2 when your experience exceeds expectation you're thrilled hey. the, the problem is if the expectation is way too high number 3 when your expectations are not met you're disappointed even if those expectations were unrealistic. And you are sad and sometimes even mad. And this is true. You can apply it wherever you want to apply it, fill in the blank. It's true in relationships. It's true in business. It's true with people. And unfortunately, for some people, it's true with God, that they are disappointed and angry or mad at God because he did not give them what they were expecting. But I want you to maybe alter that thinking today and maybe help us today. I'm, I'm a little bit scattered in my mind, so I'm asking the Lord to pull everything into captivity for me, that we expect good things from God. But when we don't see what we were expecting, we shift over into, I think, I'll praise him till the unexpected shows up. See, there's a gap between your expectations and your unexpected and the unexpected that God wants to do in your life because fortunately for us, God is all-powerful. We heard it this morning. And fortunately for us, he is good. Even when we can't find him like Job, we were hearing this morning, I can't find him on the right hand in power because right hand in Scripture references power. Stephen being stoned looked up and saw Jesus sitting on the right hand of power. Amen. And the glory of God that, that we see revealed in our life is truly exhibited by the hand of power of God, that right hand. And there's there's also a place in God where he works in our weakness on the left hand. Anybody ever studied that out in Scripture? Where God steps in and he does things through grace and through mercy. So we want both, God, both of God's hands in our life, amen? We want his hand of power in areas of our life. But when he doesn't show up with the power that we were expecting, know that his left hand is working on the left hand for you in your weakness and in things that you need to have. God touch. In other words, I don't have to come here with every single one of my points perfect in a sermon to feel the presence of God move on me and give me the unction I need to preach this anointed word, to plant it in your heart, to have you mix it with faith, and to have you walk out of here completely changed. I can know that God is going to show up on the right hand at times when I'm preaching or when we're singing or when we're praising God. But if we get through a 
service and we've just sung some good songs and we've worshiped and we've felt God a little bit, but it really hasn't set off like we know he wants to do. I get to come to this pulpit and greet the next unexpected moment where God can move in our midst and people can be healed. Cancers can come out of bodies. Tumors can fall off of people's physical I've watched it. I know friends that have had prayer lives that where they have prayed for people and metal, metal things that were put in their body were dissolved. I know people that were praying and they didn't get what they had expected. They have been through chemo and they had been through surgeries and all of a sudden God heals them and God restores them and God renews them in an unexpected moment where they were waiting on God. So the real thing is, will your faith hold up between the expected and the unexpected? Will you be willing to be the praiser in the moment of unexpected things when you're just asking God for something, but you don't get what you've asked for? Will you praise him anyways? Because your praise tells heaven that you still have faith in God. It may not have got what I wanted. It may not be where we are. It may not be as big as I thought it would be by now. I may not be as successful as I thought I should be by now. I may not have all the promotions on my job I thought I should have by now, but even in the moments of expectation that are broken, I will not get bitter with God. I will not get upset with God. I will not turn anger toward heaven. I will continue to wait on the Lord. Amen, somebody. Wait on the Lord, I say. Wait upon the Lord till he does the unexpected because he is at work in your life. Amen. And he's a God who does unexpected things. Scripture tells us that he does unexpected things. He's full of surprises, amen? And so when we expect things from God, we have to know that we're not going to be without struggle. Some people turn that toward heaven, turn that toward God, and I'm asking you not to turn any anger or any malice toward heaven because those people, they expect life to be without struggle or trouble or heartache or problem and when they don't get what they when they don't get that when they don't get a smooth sailing ocean for their vessel of life even though no one gets that no no one gets that we are not even promised that from the word of god that we're going to have no trouble in this life we know we'll be it'll be full of trouble in fact, Job tells us, a few, we stuck on Job here, Brother Reese, a few days and full of trouble, even ourselves, we create our own trouble. How many are troublemakers? Don't raise your hand. Don't elbow your wife or your neighbor. And so people get disillusioned by God because he did not do what they expected. And they were really just using him as a Holy Ghost Santa Claus, trying to get what they wanted instead of getting what God wanted for them. This is pivotal to the walk with God. I would tell you, and I'll be as honest as I can, I don't know if you are a Christian, if you don't find a place of a prayer life where you surrender your life every single day to God. Because if you don't surrender your life every day to God, you will pray with the wrong motives and you will miss. 
You have to understand, James, when it says you, you pray and you ask, but you ask amiss. It's not, it, what it's saying there is you're asking with the wrong motives. So before you petition God, find a place where you surrender to God, amen, and where you say, not my will, but thine be done. I know I want this and that, but if it's not your will, Lord, I lay it down for your greater will, because his is greater, amen? His will is greater than yours. I know you have expectations and you want things from God, but if you're going to to survive in this world with faith, you're going to have to die daily. Amen. So we know that God is asking that of us. And I've come to challenge someone to consider maybe it's not God that let you down, but instead it's your expectation and something that he never promised you. Please understand that I'm not trying to be harsh with anybody, but if you're going to bring the unexpected into life, you're going to have to have a prayer life. There are a lot of Christians. In fact, you could go into the stadium in the Bucks game, and you could get the mic, and you could go, let's get ready to rumble. No, that's the wrong event. <laughs> that's what my brain does. Sometimes it actually gets to the microphone, which is a problem. <laughs> and I sometimes talk to Mike and send him memes, and we uh, pass them back and forth and laugh at each other because <laughs> that's what our brain does. But you could get the microphone and you go, I'd like to ask out of this entire audience, audience, audience. I'm setting the tone. Who here knows how to pray? Everybody, almost, I'd say 95%, unless they're tra- true atheists and they want to show it, would raise their hand. I know how to pray. I, I pray. I'm a prayer. But the truth of the matter is, if we only multitask prayer, if we only do like flare prayers, like in trouble, like, Lord, help me, Lord Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I'll see how many country songs I can get into this sermon now that I've started. If you're only doing um, those short, like, momentary prayers in the middle of all your day, you really don't have a prayer life. I'm just being honest with you because I have to say this. I can't help you to get beyond where you are in your expectations and in your faith if you don't set time for a prayer time. I don't know when you can do it. I don't know if you're a morning person or you're an evening person. Listen to me online here if, you, if you're listening, but you've got to set a prayer time. You've got to set a dedicated time, number one. If you're writing notes, write them online. Maybe put them in the chat for us to help us out. Dedicated time. You have to have a private place. You have to have a prayer posture. Maybe you sit in the same chair or you, or you kneel on the floor. Maybe it's in a closet somewhere or maybe it's in, your, in, in an office or something at home. And you have to use your voice. You have to pray with your voice. Uh, meditation is not praying. Meditation is meditation. You meditate by thinking things. But you pray by putting voice to it because there's an old saying that says through that thoughts untangle through lips and fingertips. When you say it or when you write it, you untangle the thoughts and you deal with the expectations that may have been broken that you hoped God had done for you or where you're at may not be where you thought you'd be. And you need to bring those things to God because you either forgive or you or you get bitter. You either handle it or you, you bury it. And then sooner or later, those, those things are going to just erupt on you. 
And they may erupt in a place that you don't want them to erupt in, like your workplace or your home environment or someplace where you're around family and you thought you had dealt with things, but suddenly everything comes to the surface. Maybe it's a frustration. Maybe it's a, and everybody looks at it and goes, well, that was such a little thing to go off like that. Well, it wasn't just the little thing. It was you had buried so many things and had not put voice or wrote them down. That's why people, whenever they go through death, I deal with it all the time because I'm a funeral director. I recommend please journal for the next two months. Please write down your feelings because while you're writing, you're actually processing. While you're writing it down, while you're dealing with it, you're actually putting it into words. So you need to use your voice, amen? And then prayer is a place where you meet with God. And if you meet with God in the same place every time, I promise you that there will be something in your heart and in your mind that triggers a regular schedule and you will open your eyes right before your prayer time. You literally will turn, you'll be sleeping, you'll have had a late night and all of a sudden you'll boom, 6 a.m., time to go to prayer closet. You know, that's how, that's how it works. Literally, God wants you to have a space and a place for him. I remember the story of a preacher who got in a tragic car accident. You probably know this story. And he was on life support, and all the machines are around him, and he's in, he's in his room. But every morning at 6 a.m., all of his... All of his um, medical machinery, the heart monitor, everything would go haywire. They would set off an alarm, almost like clockwork, every morning at 6 a.m. while he was in the hospital. Everything would go crazy. And when the wife came in, they said, we don't know what's going on, but we keep having a medical glitch every morning at 6 a.m. And she said, oh, that's not a medical glitch. That's whenever he met with God. That's whenever he met with God. And now God God is honoring him because he can't get to his prayer closet. He can't get to his place that's been set up to meet with God. But God is coming to him and meeting him in his hospital room. I want you to know that God will do the unexpected. If you will do what's expected of you, God will handle what you cannot do. And God will do the unexpected. But you've got to put it in a place. You have to have a, a prayer space. Speak out in prayer. Address the difficulties of life. You know, I'm an ADD person. (laughs) I have all those things that happen, like squirrel. You know, I do that all the time in my mind. And I know some of you are just like that. Sister Angie, you are famous for letting us know how ADD you are. And if you're going to pray, you're going to sit down and you're going to, this is the first thing that's going to happen to you. Okay, I'm going to get a dedicated space. Okay, I'm going to meet God at 7 a.m. or I'm going to meet God at 6 p.m. after I get off of work. And I I encourage morning prayer, but if you can't, that's fine. Do evening prayer, but pray. I'm going to have a prayer posture. I'm going to sit right here in this chair. I'm going to have my Bible right there. And you're going to go to praying and say, Lord, I I just worship you. I open this prayer and I, I, I adore you. I thank you for breath and life today. You're going to do praise first because you don't petition God before you praise because we learned last two weeks ago that you always bring petitions from a high place, amen? You always bring petitions from a place. That's why God, whenever he took Elijah, he took him out of the place of depression and he took him up to a mountain because he wanted him to pray from a high place, from a place of victory. We learned that three weeks ago, but I want you to know that when you're praising him and when you're opening up your prayer time, you just begin to praise and worship him and your mind will go nuts, your mind will go, oh, I need an oil change. <laughs> oh, man, that would be good to have some pancakes. 
You will, you will literally have all kinds of thoughts flood your mind because you're sitting still long enough to have your brain catch up to life. And it, it starts giving you laundry lists of things you got. You know what you got to do. You got to do this. That's going to take this much time. You don't even have much time to pray. You better do this five minutes. Get this prayer time done. Get on. You need to put a blank piece of paper somewhere near you and leave. Personally, I, it's better to leave your phone off because you'll get distracted trying to put a note in your phone. But if you can write a piece of paper, just write all those things down, just this, that, and the other, and take it out of your mind and put it on the paper, and then deal with that later. That's the best way to handle a brain that keeps going when you're trying to get into a prayer mode. And also, if you can't get to do that, Sister Angie, if we're, if we're still struggling at that point, then you start giving voice to those thoughts. You start saying, Lord, I'm trying to praise you right now. I'm trying to worship you. I want to be in prayer time with you. And my brain is thinking about hamburgers, Lord, and I really would like to bring that into captivity. You put it into voice. You literally say, Lord, I, you know, guys, I'm going to preach to you right now. Help, help me out, gentlemen. If you're having a sexual thought, because we are, whether we like it or not, gentlemen, we are sexual from the top of our head to our toes. God made us to be attracted, and we have to be careful what we look at. Amen? Okay, I'm going to keep going. So we're praying, and you have this thought, or you have a sexual attractive thought, and you, and you have to bring it into captivity. You can say, Lord, you know, I'm trying to praise you right now. I'm trying to go into prayer, and I keep having this dirty thought. Lord, I'm not even going to give it the, the time of day to mention what that thought is, but you know what it is because you know my thoughts, and you know everything that I do. And I want you just to bring that into captivity and bring that under the control. And I, I bring it into captivity and put it under the blood right now. And you just begin to say what you're thinking. And while you're doing that you're training your brain, literally training your brain to go into a prayer posture where you stop thinking about everything else and you start focusing on God. It's really, really important that I teach you this because I cannot get you any further in your walk with God if you don't start a prayer life. It is pivotal to being in the Word. It's pivotal to wanting and even desiring to open your Bible it's pivotal to even wanting to be at church. I mean, they, in, in the scriptures here, they're going to church as is their custom. We, I, I'm thankful for people that, are, that get up in the morning and say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. But there's some people that barely get here. If you have to, if you have to know, there's some people that show up late because they, they just didn't feel like coming today. And whether you feel like it or not, you have to know that there is something unexpected at the house of God. Every time we combine our faith, every time we combine our worship, every time we come together and we begin to seek God, we know that we can see what God can do. And this is a labor of love. Yes, it is a labor to put all this together every single Sunday. But I trust God because he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen? Knowing your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He's going to do something. If you do the expected going to the house of the Lord at the time of prayer, God will do the unexpected. You know, Peter and John, they uh, didn't have to see what was going to happen at the prayer time. They didn't have to go to church that day. But it was what was expected of them. And so you look at them, they're like, they, they traveled with Jesus when he ministered. They watched him take two fish and five loaves and make 12 baskets left of leftovers and feed some words upwards of 50,000 people. 
They watched him as he stood at Lazarus' tomb, weeping. And he said, come forth, Lazarus. Good thing he put Lazarus' name on the end or they would have all got up. Because he's got that kind of power, amen? He said, come forth, Lazarus. And Lazarus comes hopping out in grave clothes, like, get me out of here. He would have embarrassed not only Lazarus, but the reputation of the family if he hadn't resurrected him, because by now he's stinking. He's been dead for four days. And they watched all these dynamics of people going, no, don't roll away the stone. Please don't do that. That is so, that would be so embarrassing to our friend and Mary, obviously, and all of them saying, Lord, don't do this. And Jesus weeping at the tomb for every, I believe every, he felt everything that we feel. I felt like he stood there and he let himself feel the grief of loss of a loved one. And then he he says, Be, rise up, Lazarus, and Lazarus comes out, and then Lazarus is the one that helps protect him to be taken until it was his time to go to the cross. We know that it was Lazarus, the resurrection of Lazarus was, was broadcast all throughout Jerusalem, and so whenever the expected is happening, they could have just said, what's another church service? What's another prayer time? I, there's not much going on there. I, I don't even know why we should go. I mean, look at all the miracles. Nothing could happen at prayer this morning that is greater than what we've already seen walking with Jesus. And yet, they were faithful to the little things. And that's what I'm trying to preach today. It's not a strong message to those that want to dance and shout and spin about. Did you know that there is a section, and this is my brain doing ADD, but there was a section Apparently, of Judah, there was a group of people that were called the spinners. Did you know that? I didn't know this. I'm still trying to figure this out. Some of the preachers help me. There was a group of people that just spun when they praised the Lord. This is not one of those sermons. You're not going to spin out on this sermon, okay? You're not going to sing and shout and dance about, but you are going to find out that when you bring voice to what you're praying for and when you speak about it, you not only push bitterness out of your life, but you bring the unexpected to your life because you say, I expected this and I'm willing to put that down in order for what God is doing and I'm going to praise you till I see it. That is the posture of getting the expected, the unexpected. So your statement of faith today, I hope you walk away with is this, and if you're writing notes, you can put this down. This is not what I expected, but I can accept it because God is working on the unexpected. This is not what I expected, but I can accept it because God is working on the unexpected. There is so much you can preach about this topic, and I just want to tell you that this man here was just looking for a few denarii. He was looking for some change, and uh, they gave him some different some different expectations. They, they, they changed what he received, and they said, look, I know what you're expecting, and that's what I love about the Word of God, is it will oftentimes address what you're expecting and say, yeah, I know you're expecting silver and gold, and God will do that to my heart. So many times he's done that, where he said, I know you're expecting this, but I'm working on something that you would never be able to put together by yourself. I'm working on something unexpected. And so then we see that God is using these moments, these dedicated times, these prayer times, these moments of spending time in God's presence. And then we also see that God uses, through those prayers, 
moments of unexpected change where he says, rise, rise up and walk. So there's more here to this story than we even understand because he would set at the gate beautiful and the limestone that they built the city with when the eastern sun came up, this gate faced the east. And when this sun would come up, it would shine off that limestone and the city looked golden. And he would set at a gate that was beautiful while he was broken. And I'm wondering if maybe you've been setting in beautiful places and wanting beautiful things from God and still feeling broken. I wonder if there's anybody here today that has spent time asking God for something that you thought he would do by now, but he hasn't done it yet. And I'm asking you to put your heart on God because he's going to send a word to you. He's going to send a messenger to you. He's going to send a man of God to you. He's going to send something your way. And I'm asking him to do it from this sermon today that while you've been sitting, hoping for beautiful things in your life and praying for beautiful things for your children, that God is going to send somebody and he's going to give you an unexpected touch of God in your life, that he's literally going to change some things you never thought would be changed. And while you are just looking to earn a little money or you're looking just to make it through another day, God has ordained a collision with the unexpected in your life. Literally, the places that you're going to go and the things that you're going to do may be the same, but you're going to walk into them different than you walked into them before. I'm trying to preach to you that God is going to put a joy back in your spirit and a leap back in your step and a strength back in your walk with God. If you will just put a prayer life in and do what's Expected of you, and if you'll lay down what has been violated of your expectations, and if you'll say, God, I'm still believing you, I'm still here believing for beautiful things, I'm still here to trust in God, knowing that you're gonna do something beautiful with my life. There is still hope left. I don't know where you are or what age you are, but there are things that God can do in your life if you're still breathing. He's got a work for you, He's got a miracle plan. If you're still breathing and it doesn't seem like it's the best, then God is a great God. God is a great God, and he's still working a great plan in your life, and he will do it. He will put strength to his plan. He will give the miracle, and he will give restoration at the same time. Literally, that God has the ability to do a miracle from start to finish at one moment, and that's what I'm asking for from this sermon today, that God will empower somebody to go home, clean out a closet, go home and, and clear, clear some sort of space in their home and say, I used to, I know, I, it's easy. I used to drive and pray every single day. And now I've built a prayer closet in my home. I had one when I was younger and I started getting busy with work and I would just watch my devotion from Ken Gurley and drive myself to work. And I would pray and it was good and I always felt encouraged and it was fine. But now I'm actually in the position looking at the world that we're looking at where I feel like I need to take a specific and powerful moment with God. And I'm starting that and I'm doing it. I've already started to clear the closet. I'm like, it's not that I'm going from better to best. It's just that I'm deciding that God needs to have some specific and powerful times back in my life. And I pray you go home and do the same. This is your homework. I don't know if you'll feel like being in the altar today. I don't know if you'll respond to this word the way I, I hope you would. But if there is one person 
who goes home and pulls a bunch of stuff out of a closet and says, this is now my prayer place. Put a chair in there, start tacking pictures to the wall of your loved ones and say, I'm going to pray till my kids are blessed. I'm going to pray till all of our life spring children are seeing the power of God. I'm going to pray till Nate and Lisi are blessed. I'm going to pray till we're having anointed and powerful services. These are the pictures on my walls, brothers and sisters. I'm going to pray till the missionaries are blessed and have what they need to carry the gospel. I'm going to pray for Adon and, brother, and, and sister, and obviously Sister Fromstein's in there. I'm going to pray for my mother. These are things that are treasures to me. I'm going to pray, Lord God, for my family, and I'm going to pray for those that I love and Sister Trimble. I'm going to pray for our services every season. These are things that get tacked to my wall, and I go in prayer, and I bake prayer into that closet, and I spend time in there, and I'm praying for the men of this church, for the prayer leaders of this church, for this precious things, for Brother Dean in this church. I'm praying for Brother Antonio. I'm praying for all these different people. I'm praying for, you know this one, right? <laughs> this one is beautiful. I'm praying for all the friends. I'm praying for all the connections. I'm praying for all the children that are growing up. All of these things are treasures to me. And if you will do that, maybe you don't have to print them off. Maybe put them on something that is one of those digital things that go in circles and you can just pray for everything. But you can spend time. If you just spend three minutes a day going through the Lord's Prayer and doing what the Lord's Prayer says, you can finish an 18 to 20-minute to prayer time just by doing three minutes in each one of the things that it asks you to do. It says, give me the Lord's Prayer real quick in Matthew 9, 6, 9 through 13. It says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven. How many know people that repeat this? This is not to be repeated. Understand, this is a pattern for prayer. So if I, if I tell you to do something as a pattern, and I say, do this, this, and this, if you repeat, do this, this, and this, all you've done is repeated the pattern. You haven't actually prayed. So when you pray something like this over and over and over and over again, as some religion, traditional religions have done, you're not actually doing much praying. You are actually just repeating the pattern of prayer. So we have to pull out of the pattern of prayer what we actually should pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We have to honor God as almighty. And then thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That is the place where you do your surrendering. That is where you let go of your expectations and embrace the unexpected. And then as in heaven on earth, and give us this day our daily bread. Be our provider, Lord. We go into provisional prayers. We go into these kind of prayers. We're asking God for provision. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We have to forgive people. And when we go into our prayer closet and we first say, Lord, forgive us our debts, when he dumps out that entire bucket of grace and mercy on you, you're supposed to take some of that and then dump it on somebody else. Dump it on people that have done you wrong and keep forgiving them. No, the emotions may always be attached to the hurt and the offense, but every time it comes up again, you have to make a commitment to God that I am a forgiver. You forgave me, I am a forgiver. 
forgiver. I'm going to forgive them. And so if it feels the same way it felt every single time, you have to have a, a walk with God that says, God, you know, I have talked to you about this, and I already forgave them, and I forgive them again, and I don't want that to hold any weight over me. And you pray over that till the power of those emotions are diminished to where you can actually think of them, think of the event, and it not bring you hurt, harm, or pain until you have prayed over that thing multiple times and just said, God, I forgive them. God, I'm going to forgive them. God, I forgive them. That is where God forgives you the most. How much you forgive may be just as much as how much God forgives you. And so we forgive our debtors as we forgive those that have done things against us and lead us not into temptation. Scripture says that no man say that the Lord tempts us. So we have a little bit of a conundrum here. Why are we asking the Lord to lead us not into temptation? God doesn't lead us to temptation. Obviously, the Scripture says that. So what we're dealing with is a use of this language. It's actually meaning God guide me away from temptation. God guide me away from it. So we're saying, Lord, guide me away from temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When you finish that prayer, you're saying, your kingdom's bigger than me, your power's greater than me, and you are forever the God who is sovereign. And like Job, I may not be able to find him. I may not be able to track him, but he knows where I am. He knows the way that I take. And when he hath brought me forth, I shall come forth as gold. He refines me. It's not just what you go through, brothers and sisters. It's how you go through it and how you're changed by what you go through. I hope this message means something in the area of prayer for you. My focus is prayer. If you do the expected praying every day, then we'll have powerful sermons. We'll have powerful services. We'll have the, the, the presence of God here. We'll have electricity in the environment as the angels move and touch people and as we encounter God in ways that we had never even expected to encounter God, where you reach over and you pray for somebody and, that, and God heals them unexpectedly. That can happen if every single one of us made a commitment to do a personal, private, prayer time in a prayer space, next Sunday would be explosive. Next Sunday, there'd be miracles in this place. I'm telling you, that is how much it matters that we do the expected and let God do the unexpected. So I challenge you to do that. This week, of course, we know Tanya's going in for surgery. My heart is wrapped up in prayer for that situation. And I know God wants to do something. I know he does. I don't know what he wants to do. My expectations were like he was going to heal her three, three, four weeks ago. But when I don't get my expectations, I have, to, I have to expect the unexpected. What if they go in to remove it and they find there's no cancer there? What if God is doing all this to give them doctored documentation of a miracle? What if God can do the unexpected? If we would just set ourselves aside say, Lord, I know i got a busy schedule, but it's not too busy for time with you. Lord, I know I've got other things going on, but I wonder if maybe I could just pray and ask you to work miracles in my life. And today we can change things. 
with the power of the spoken word, life and death in the spoken word. So would you stand with me? Maybe you need to take care of some stuff with God today. Maybe you've been complaining a bit too much. Maybe you've been spending time putting effort in areas that you thought were most important, but God is not honoring it at the moment. And you're thinking, man, I don't know where to go next. God can do the unexpected in that moment as well. And so I want to pray with somebody. If you have been speaking negatively, I want you to just deal with that and put it under the blood. I want you to take captive of the words you've already said and say, Lord, I know I said some things that hurt people. I said some things that did some things. I want you to forgive me right now of those things. And I take captive those words I said and I put them under the blood. Come on, let's deal with it right now. There's somebody in this room, every eye closed, every head bowed in this place. Deal with anything in your past right now. If there's somebody that you haven't forgiven, forgive them right now. Just pour some of that mercy and that grace on them that God has already poured on you. Right now we handle it, Lord Jesus. It wasn't what we expected. We expected them to be kind. We expected them to return love, and they didn't, Lord God. We expected so much that was different from how it actually all went down. But, Lord, we just release what happened to you, and we forgive them. And we lay down the unexpected in the name of Jesus so that we can walk into your unexpected. We lay down the expected so we can walk into your unexpected. This altar's open if you need to come and pray. Would you leave a hurt here, an offense here? Would you leave something here so that you are empowered to go into this week to find a place to pray? that you're going to go home and you're going to set up, Lord, just, Lord, this is where I meet you every day. But you're not going to do it if you're bound with bitterness. You're not going to do it if you're still in a place where you haven't forgiven somebody. You're going to still fight that thing, and you may blame God for it, and it's not God's fault. Come on, lay your expectations down. There's somebody here that needs to deal with it. The altar's open. Come and pray. Let's come and pray. You're welcome to come and pray. Let's sing. Whatever you want to sing, sing that. And we're going to deal with whatever's in our heart right now. This may not be for everybody, but somebody here has been fighting a relationship. Somebody here has been dealing with struggle. And we're letting it go. We're letting it go right now. Your hands are raised. You're releasing it to God. Right now, come on, lift your hands and release it to God. All of the ripple effect, all of the secondary hurts, all of the things that came from it, we're letting it go. It's not what I expected, God. But if I hold on to this, I can't have what you're releasing that's unexpected, God. Come on, let it go, let it go. It's okay to let it go. It's okay to let it go. I know it feels like you're losing sometimes when you let things go, but you're not because God is working a surprise. God is working an unexpected thing for you. It's going to come your way as soon as you open your hands and you let it go. Your hands are open to receive the unexpected from God. At home, if you're praying, just lift your hands and just release. By opening your hands, release and let it go. Give it to the Lord today. Lord, you know that person that just pushes my buttons. Lord, you know the situations that I'm dealing with right now. You know how tiring and fatiguing it is, Lord God. 
to have to deal with them on a regular basis. I, I let it go to you, Jesus. This is not where I thought it would be. This is not what I expected. But I let it go. And in letting go, I believe you. I'll praise you. I'll worship you. I didn't think my children would be where they are, but I let it go. I didn't think I'd be dealing with this even this late in my life, but I let it go. I didn't know all the troubles that were going to come from the divorce, but I let it go. And I praise you. I praise you, God. I'll praise you in the middle of expected and unexpected. There's a move of God's spirit here to heal somebody's heart. I don't know who needs it, but there's a move. There is what the scripture calls a balm in Gilead. There's a healing ointment of the Holy Ghost. Come on, clear out your spirit today of any bitterness. Clear out your spirit of any forgive unforgiveness. Hallelujah. You're not hurting them. It's only hurting you. So let it go. Let it go. Today, we let it go. Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You are we love you, Jesus. My hope, we love you, my Jesus. Rock. I know that you are holding me. You light my way. You are my compass in the mystery. Gabriel came to Mary and said, Blessed art thou among women. Thou art highly favored and blessed of God. And he said, I, I'm going to use your womb to bring forth the Son of God. She was expectant, but it wasn't what she expected. I want someone here today just to rest their hand right on their stomach right here and just begin to pray, Lord, clear out my spirit. Just put your hand right here on your midsection. Say, Lord, clear out my spirit. Your spirit is the womb of the Holy Ghost. That's why when we're born again, we're born again of water and of spirit. The spirit makes you born again. The spirit is where things are birthed in your life. Right now, pray, Lord, clear out my spirit so that I don't block anything that you want to birth in my life. God, clear out my spirit. Come on, join us. Just put your hand right here on your midsection and just begin to pray. Lord, give me a spiritual womb that allows for the birthing of the unexpected, Jesus. Let me be the one who stays in right standing with you, God, so that I can have whatever you have designed for my life. I remove any bitterness. I remove any hatred. I remove any discourse or any, any kind of malice out of my spirit because that is the spiritual womb of life. That is where things are birthed, and I want the miraculous to be birthed in my life. I want to see things that, that are unexpected through God, and I need to move out anything 
that is in the way, that anything that's blocking the birthplace of the Spirit and the miraculous, I move it out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I move it out. I let it go. I let it go. I let it go. I let it go. And now with that same hand that you had on your midsection, would you lift it toward heaven and say, Lord, I've cleared it out. It's done. I've forgiven. Please forgive me. And now would you birth in me new miraculous things? Would you birth in me a move of God like I've never seen it? Would you birth in me a hunger for the things of God like I've never... Would you birth in me something that is so unexpected that I fall on my face in my prayer time and I seek you and I ask and I knock and I seek until I see the miraculous for my neighbors and my friends and those I'm praying for and those who are unsaved and my children and my lost children, my, my needs, Lord God, everything. that Would you birth in me a miraculous place would you birth in me Lord Jesus the unexpected and I'll give you all the praise and the glory for it I'll give you all the praise and the glory for it I'll give you all the praise and the glory for it